0: Welcome to Happy Without Medicine, and I'm your host, Dr. Yuandi, a medical doctor, therapist, and a fierce advocate for your happiness. My mission here is simple to help professional women just like you create a life you're excited to wake up to. It's time to make the happiness you feel on the inside match the success others see on the outside. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Happy Without Medicine. It is me, Dr. Yawande, your host. And today is December 28th, 2023, which means it is 10 years, 10 years since my husband and I got married in Cape Town, South Africa. It's been such an interesting journey since then. Honestly, it's quite hard to believe that it's been 10 years since we've been married. It's been 16 years since we started dating. It's been about 30 years since we first met. So obviously, we didn't start dating 30 years ago, but we were kids kind of running in the same circles. Our parents were friends. Um, So we used to attend the same birthday parties together. Lost touch and then reconnected and lost touch again. But in December of 2007, you see, like it's such a long time ago, but it really doesn't feel like that long. December of 2007, we reconnected and started dating shortly after that. And it's been such an interesting ride ever since. I resisted doing this podcast episode around you know 10 things that you need to do to have a happy marriage by 10 years like honestly that just sounds so in disingenuous to be honest because i can categorically say that the reason my marriage is the way it is is really just the grace of god yes we put in the work yes we are committed yes we are dedicated But there are plenty, plenty, plenty of people who put in the work, who are dedicated and still don't have marriages that look the way that they hoped they would. And so I'm not here pretending like I'm the marriage expert here to give you marriage advice. But it was so heavy on my heart to actually do this podcast episode because I do think that what will be more helpful and what will be more authentic is if I share the lessons that I have learned, albeit the hard way, okay? The lessons that I have learned over the 10 years of my marriage. And so when I was thinking about how to structure this episode, I decided to do a bit of reflection, go down memory lane, and break up the lessons year by year. So from year one all the way to year 10. And in doing that, you know, I went through some of our pictures and some of our videos and I spent some time putting together a cute little reel for Instagram. So if you're curious to watch that reel from some of the pictures that we've had over the past 10, 15, 16 years, go over to my Instagram. It's at dr.und. That's at dr.und. And if you're watching this in real time, it's already posted. But if you're watching it sometime in the future, if you just scroll down to December 28th, 2023, you'll watch The reel and you'll get to see some of our pictures from over the years. But on to the content of today's episode. So we got married December 23rd, 2013. And at the time, I was doing my emergency medicine fellowship in Winnipeg. And my husband was doing his master's in Chicago. I think he was already done his master's by then. Yes, he had actually finished his master's by then. So he was working in Chicago. And so we were doing the long distance marriage thing. And we did that for 18 months. Prior to that, we actually dated long distance. So initially it was Toronto to Nigeria. Then it was Toronto to Chicago when he eventually moved to Chicago for his master's. And then it was Winnipeg to Chicago when I moved to Winnipeg for my fellowship. So our relationship had been long distance up until 18 months into our marriage when we finally moved to Winnipeg together. And so some of the main lessons that I learned in that first year of marriage were patience because at the time, I already knew that I didn't want to live in Chicago. I didn't see us settling in Chicago. I didn't see us raising a family in Chicago. Whereas whenever I would come back to Winnipeg, so I was doing two weeks in Chicago, two weeks in Winnipeg. When I was in Winnipeg, I was working full-time ER doctor, ICU doctor. And then when I was in Chicago, I was full-time wife, you know, just enjoying my life. I wasn't working But I knew that eventually when we settled down, I didn't want us to be in Chicago. But my husband loved, loved, loved Chicago. He loved his job. He'd made amazing friends. Chicago is a beautiful city. It's actually one of my favorite cities in the world. But as far as settling down, I just didn't see us living there. And so we spent a lot of time deliberating, going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But I found that I was just getting frustrated with the conversation. And so I just decided to stop bringing it up. I stopped bringing it up. I stopped talking about it. I stopped asking. One of the questions I would always ask is, okay, so BKF, what's the plan? What's the plan? What's the plan? And I could tell every time I asked that question, it was just frustrating him and annoying him more. So I decided to just stop bringing it up. And instead of talking to him about it, You already know by now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, that I am a Christian and my faith is what anchors me. And I know not everyone who listens to this podcast is a Christian, but for me, my anchor is my faith. And so that is what I turned to in that time, is I just prayed. I just prayed and prayed for God's will to be done. Ultimately, that was all I wanted. So I learned the power of patience. I learned the power of keeping silent when things were looking like my words weren't accomplishing what I wanted them to accomplish. And I was trying to do things by my own intelligence. And I learned the power of prayer because not too long after I made that decision, one day my husband came back home from work and he said, "Okay, let's move to Winnipeg. (laughs) And it came out of the blue because up until then, he was so adamant that we were going to stay and remain in Chicago. But there's a lot more to that backstory, but not just so I don't make this podcast too long. The power of patience, silence, and prayer, those are the main things that I learned in that first year of our marriage. Moving on to the second year of our marriage, that was when we had now moved to Winnipeg. I was working My husband's job from Chicago continued to allow him to work remotely, but at some point he needed to find a job in Winnipeg. And it was proving very difficult. It was proving very difficult. And I remember distinctly one conversation that we had. We were in the car. I can't remember where we were driving to, maybe church on a Sunday morning. We didn't have kids yet. And we were talking and he was expressing his frustration at not being able to find a job in Winnipeg, the type of job that he would love to do and the things that he would love to do and where he would be able to grow in his skills. And I remember us having a conversation and the way it went was that in a relationship, in a marriage, when two people come together, we can't expect that we're always going to be on a high all the time. That when you are down, I will be there to encourage you, to support you, to lift you up. And then when I am down, I would expect the same from you to encourage me, to lift me up and to support me. Eventually, he did get a job. It actually didn't take that long. But that was a major lesson for me in that things aren't going to, I think that was the first time things were not going the way that we wanted them to go within the marriage as far as our goals or his goals and his expectations. But I learned that it was important for me to hold space and to help him hold the dream for him and hold the vision for him, even if he couldn't see it for himself. And so for me, it was a valuable lesson of supporting one another and understanding that in this walk together as a marriage, as we're going towards our future Sometimes someone is going to get tired, but in those seasons, it's the other person's role to support that person and hold them up until they regain their strength and then vice versa. It's unreasonable to think that both of us are going to be strong at the same time, but that's why we're together is so that we can support each other in times when we face challenges. So the third lesson, so that was the second lesson is the importance of support. The third lesson, oh, year three was a challenging year for us. Okay, so if you don't know this about me, I can be very stubborn, very, very stubborn and very set in my ways. I'm the first of four children. I'm used to giving orders and giving directions and talking to people with a certain tone and expecting that my orders (laughs) are going to be followed, right? My husband is also the first, firstborn, also very stubborn and very strong-willed. So strong-willed, we're both very strong-willed. And so year three was a very challenging year for us. But the lesson that I learned, and I think this is going to be very important for many of you, especially women, is that I was committed to our marriage, but I was not desperate for the marriage. I'm going to say that again. I was committed to the marriage, but I was not desperate for the marriage. And what that meant was I was able to quickly set boundaries when I felt like my boundaries were being crossed in whatever way that might may have looked like, whether emotionally, mentally, psychologically, you know, whatever that might have looked like. I was committed to making it work, but not desperate, which meant that I was not going to sacrifice my well-being. I was not going to sacrifice my wellness, my health on the altar of marriage. It just wasn't going to happen. And so when I made that very clear, my boundaries very clear, I could see that there was a level of respect that my husband had for me because he realized that there were some things that were just not acceptable. And I wasn't afraid to communicate that. So that was a big lesson for me was I can be committed to something without being desperate for it. So doing what it takes to make it work but not at the expense of my well-being. And so that is something that I've carried on not just in my marriage but also in my parenting. When my kids want something if it is at the expense of my well-being, it's a no. It's a I love you and it's a no. And so boundaries Commitment without desperation was lesson three. Lesson four, lesson four uh, in the fourth year of marriage was the importance of teamwork. And this was really cool because this is when we welcomed our daughter into our lives. Between, so I'm going to put lesson four and lesson five together. So our daughter came. So I got pregnant in our fourth year of marriage and she came in our fifth year of marriage or, or something like that. But teamwork was so important because I got to see my husband step into the role of daddy so beautifully and how we were able to tag the team when it came to feeding, when it came to changing diapers, when it came to holding when it came to soothing and just us being able to flow in a way that I don't remember us having too many conversations about, you need to help me. I think he just naturally, and maybe there were, and I just don't remember, but I got to, there was this synergy. I think mean, that's the word I'm looking for this synergy that happened between the two of us. And I think that that happened because we both value family in such high regard. and. We both value parenting. We take our parenting very, very seriously. And so when it came to raising this baby and being there for her and doing what it takes to make sure that she had the best chance at a healthy start to life, there was a synergy that happened and it was very beautiful to see. I learned also a lot about self-sacrifice and I'm going to come back to the difference between self-sacrifice and self-love, which is coming up in the next <laughs> it's coming up in the next lesson. Um so I learned a lot about self-sacrifice and I could see how when things weren't necessarily convenient, my husband would step in. At the time we only had one car. Um, we only had one car and I was working in the eMERGE he would, <laughs> funny story here, there was a night when he was coming to pick me up from my shift, my late night shift. And I guess because the roads were free, he was speeding and he got a ticket. In that season, my husband got a lot of tickets because he was taking me to work and coming to pick me back home at his own expense, right? At his at his own, the sacrifice of his own sleep and his own rest and all of that. So he got pulled over, he got a ticket and the police officer asked him, no. So eventually he went to court to fight the ticket or whatever that looked like. And the judge asked him, so he?" Asked, the judge asked him, so where were you going? He said, oh, I was going to pick up my wife. And that was why I was speeding. And the judge was like, was it an emergency? <laughs> like, why were you speeding? Was it an emergency? And he had to say, no, it wasn't an emergency. I can't remember if he got pardoned for that particular ticket or if he if he paid for that particular ticket. But the demonstration of that self-sacrifice and his dependability, you know, whenever he would go to work and I would say, "Okay, I have a shift at 5 p.m. I need you to be home on time so that I can leave by 4.30 and get to work on time. There was never a time where he was late, never a time where he was late. And so what that meant for me was I also had to step my game up. And understand that there were sacrifices that needed to be made. Yes, boundaries are important. However, there is that zone between boundaries and selfishness, so to speak. On the one end, they're not the same thing. So taking care of yourself isn't selfish, but because I was used to, again, living by myself and our marriage had been long distance for a long time, our relationship had been long distance for a long time, I had to learn that, you know what, you UID, there are certain things that you also need to sacrifice in order to balance the equation out. So teamwork on one hand, self-sacrifice on the other hand. And that way we were able to make things work when we didn't have all the resources to I mean, we could have bought a second car, but we were really being very careful with our finances. And when we didn't have all the resources to splurge and, you know, do all these things that we may have wanted to do, we had to look at the full picture and say, okay, what am I willing to compromise on? And so maybe that might be a better word is compromise. I really, really learned the importance of compromise in our fifth year of marriage. So teamwork in fourth year and compromise in the fifth year. Now in the sixth year was when we welcomed our second child and this time it was a son. So we had a daughter and then we had a son. And what I learned in this year was the importance of respect, Um, the importance of respect. I always tell my husband that my love for him grew exponentially when he became a father and when I was able to see him step into that role. I learned the importance of respecting him for his role as a father and honoring him for his role as a father and also communicating that to him. I'm sure if you ask my husband, he will tell you, yes, Iwadi always says, I'm a, I'm a great dad. I'm a great dad. I'm a great dad. I'm a great father. And and to be honest, my respect for him grew as he became Not just a father to our daughter, but a father to our son as well. And his demonstration of fatherhood and what it means to be a dad. Not just someone who pays the bills and not just someone who pays the bills, not just someone who takes out the garbage, but someone who is there emotionally. What I also learned was to speak those things into him and draw them out of him. In my earlier years of our marriage, what I tended to do was talk about the things that he was not. You're not this. You're not that. You don't pray hard enough or you don't raise your hands in church high enough or whatever judgy, judgmental things I used to say to him at the time, focusing on the things that he wasn't. But what I learned in that sixth year of marriage was to focus on the things that he is, And to talk about those things and to amplify those things with my words. Because the truth is that what we focus on grows. The things that we focus on in our relationships, those are the things that we're going to see more and more and more of. So if we choose to focus on the negative, the things that we don't have, those are the things that we're going to see more of. But if we choose to focus on the positive, the things that we do have, Those are the things that we are going to see more of. So I learned the importance of respect. I've learned the importance of honor. I learned the importance of using my words to build up instead of using my words to tear down. Year seven was very interesting because that was the year that I discovered my purpose. It was the year that I decided to take that leap of faith and shift from working In the ER, there was a bit of a transition. It didn't happen immediately, but shift from working in the ER and pursue my career in the line of therapy, mental health, and wellness. My husband wasn't entirely on board, being perfectly honest at the beginning, because after all, he married an ER physician, right? And so from him, he's very logical in his his thinking, He was looking at the fact that my income had dropped. He couldn't see the vision that I saw. But what I learned in this season was sometimes your husband cannot be everything to you. (laughs) In that season, I sought out support from people who I knew understood where I was coming from. But I gave him grace. Even though it wasn't the easiest for me to accept, I gave him grace because I understood that he can't see what I see. Um, God didn't talk to him. God spoke to me, right? But I also learned the importance of belief in myself and the importance of focus. And so in times when I felt discouraged or in times when things were hard, I had to keep the vision of where I was going in front of me. This was way before I had the vision of opening up a practice. This was when I was training and what that meant was there was there wasn't a lot of income coming in at the time uh, but I had to stay focused and I had to continue to believe in myself understanding that as long as I stayed focused as long as I believed in myself eventually he would catch up the mistake that I think a lot of women make and of course there's a lot of wisdom that's required when there is a disconnect in these kinds of scenarios and sometimes getting a professional involved like a counselor or someone that you both respect, that you can talk through these things with can be very important. We use those avenues in those very challenging seasons as well. So there is nothing wrong. Even if your marriage isn't on the rocks or on the verge of divorce, or separation, I still believe that it's very important to have people in your life that you can talk to who can help bring both perspectives to the table so that you can see take away the emotions and see things from each other's perspective so not to digress too much on that but at the end of the day your spouse might not always be your number one supporter because they are seeing things from a completely different perspective than you are seeing things from. And that is totally okay. It doesn't make them a bad partner. It doesn't make them a bad spouse. It just means that if you are convicted that this is the path that you're supposed to go, surround your people who will speak into you, people who will encourage you. And eventually, eventually your spouse will catch up. If they really are, you know, cause there are people who are married to people who are not really looking out for their success. But if your spouse is really looking out for your success and really wants to see you succeed, eventually they will catch up. So just be patient. Do what it is that you're called to do. Have that belief in yourself. Surround yourself with people who will support you and eventually your spouse will catch up. That is what worked for me. That is a lesson that I learned. And so that is what I'm sharing with you today. I've already alluded to this, but in year eight, we really learned the power of communication, really getting our our communication skills down to an art. And we did get help with this. We hired a counselor who taught us practical communication skills like active listening, using I statements, some of the things that I've spoken about on this podcast before, Um, Really listening, not just to respond, but listening to understand, using curiosity. A lot of the things that I speak to my patients and my practice with, a lot of the skills that I've spoken about on this podcast before. In the eighth year of our marriage, yes, it took that long. In the eighth year of our marriage, we really, really got into communicating. And honestly, that was a pivotal shift for both of us. Communication, yes, we hear it. It's so cliche, but the truth of the matter is, is that many of us don't know how to communicate. And so getting the books, getting the counselors, getting the teachers, the mentors to teach you where you can come together and actually practice and get feedback, that kind of thing is invaluable. And that was a huge lesson that I learned in year eight of our marriage. Now, coming on to year nine, the big thing that I learned in year nine was acceptance. Acceptance. And what do I mean by that? I think it's in year nine that I really, really got to accept my husband for who he is and how he chooses to express himself. I had alluded before to my very judgmental nature, especially when it comes to matters of faith, right? Yes, I'm not very <laughs> excited to admit. I used to get annoyed when my husband would say the same prayers every day. I'm like, why can't you be a little bit more creative with your prayers? Or if you used to sing the same praise and worship songs every day, I'm like, why can't you be more creative? Where is your repertoire, your vast repertoire of praise and worship songs? I used to get annoyed when say we're in church and, you know, I'm caught up in praise and worship and he is just there, just even kill and chill. It used to bother me so, so much. But I got to the point where I said, there's no point in trying to get him to change because you're causing more frustration for him and you're causing more frustration for yourself. And in fact, this wanting him to change is coming from a very judgmental, prideful, self-righteous, holier-than-thou place, which is not a good place at all. I'm not in the position to dictate how he's supposed to express himself in this manner or any manner for that matter. As long as it's not causing harm to us, as long as it's not causing harm to our children, he is free to be whoever he is going to be. And it's not up to me to try to change him. Too many times I see many women trying to change their spouses and trying to change their partners. And they're so frustrated because nothing is changing. Well, the truth is that you can't change anybody. And if anybody tries to change because of you, that change is never going to be sustainable. It's never going to be sustainable. The only person that can change themselves is the person with the help of God, (laughs) right? The most you can do is pray. And after a while, you need to stop talking about it because your talking is only just pushing them further and further and further away. So I don't know who needs to hear this today, but acceptance, accept, you've committed to this person, accept them for who they are. Yes, there might be disappointments that come with that because maybe you had this dream of what your relationship should look like and it looks nothing like that. But you need to let that go and just accept the person that you have for who they are. And if they're going to change, they will change in their own time. But you nagging about it or you getting frustrated and angry about it, whether it's kind of overt anger or passive aggression, it's not doing anything. It's just only hurting you and causing a bigger divide between you and the person that you love. So the sooner you accept them for who they are, the sooner you're going to start to see change, positive change in your interaction with this person. So I had to learn that the hard way. And so hopefully that's saving you from too much stress once you decide to accept the person that you've committed to spending the rest of your life with for who they are. Again, the caveat being any harm to yourself or to those around you Of course, that is unacceptable. When it comes to things about their habits or things that they do that you don't like, after a while, you talking about it is just going to cause more problems. And so, until they get help, until they get the help they need from a professional, you got to accept. You literally just have to accept or you leave, right? Because either you accept or you change your position. Because you staying and nagging and nagging and nagging is just going to cause bitterness and resentment on both sides. So acceptance. And finally, finally, year 10 of our marriage, what I have learned is the importance of partnership. The importance of partnership. And I think it's because as our kids are getting older and as we are looking towards you know, what kind of legacy do we want to leave? We are working together beyond the day-to-day tasks of you do the dishes, I do the laundry, or you pick up the kids and I drop them off. We're really thinking about what we're building together, what legacy we're going to leave for our kids, whether it's a financial legacy, whether it's a legacy of integrity, a legacy of honesty, a legacy of you know, what character we're building in them, what, what character we're molding in them, what name, uh, the name that we are leaving behind for them and uh, just the weight that all of that holds. Uh, and so we're coming together more and more and thinking about, you know, our, our future, like what we want to do five years from now, where we see ourselves 10 years from now, what we want for our kids as they grow and as they evolve. And so that partnership beyond just the day-to-day teamwork of the tasks and the things that need to get done on a day-to-day basis, now we're thinking even bigger, you know, our parents, how we want to show up for them and how we want to engage with our siblings and extended family members, our community. So bigger picture and more impact with our partnership together. And so there you have it. 10 lessons that I learned over the past 10 years, some of them were really, really hard lessons. Some of them were sweet lessons. Some of them were very endearing. But ultimately, what they have done is they brought us together as partners, as a couple, as a family. I'm praying that as we go into the next decade, of our marriage that the lessons that we learned hopefully won't be as hard, but will be just as impactful and just as sweet. And so if you enjoyed this episode and if you found it helpful, please do share it with a friend. And until next time, remember that I'm here always fiercely advocating for your success and your happiness. Bye! Thank you for joining me, Dr. Day on the Happy Without Medicine podcast this week. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could give it a review on Apple podcast because it helps Happy Without Medicine pop up when other women are searching for ways to find their happiness again. And visit happywithoutmedicine.com to view the complete show notes and other resources mentioned in today's episode. I'll catch you next time.